On this episode of Whale Cave, Paul F. Tompkins has awkward eye contact with Jonathan Richmond, Katie Crown pretends that she's a jazz singer for cash, and host Matt Price is disturbed by a CD his daughter got for her birthday. Whale Cave starts now. Everybody wants to be a genius. Not the only one with all the things that you might do. Which one of them will you get to? That was Anara George with Genius, and she's right, folks. Everybody does want to be a genius. From the guy at the tattoo parlor who thinks you should definitely get a tattoo of your girlfriend's name on your back, to the anonymous blogger who keeps posting why the president is an idiot and how he could do it better. They're all geniuses, it's true. And I'm no different, everybody. I have a podcast. So somewhere, I must think that I have something to say that's brilliant every couple of weeks. I'm part of the problem, listeners. And our George, getting it right. Because, folks, she's a genius. Hey, welcome to Whale Cave. That was a little rant to start the show. That never happens. My name is Matt Price. I'm the host of Whale Cave. People usually don't come on and rant. They just tell stories, funny stories about music. We have great guests today. Uh, I'd call them geniuses, too. Paul F. Tompkins is here. Katie Crown is here. And I'll be playing music throughout the show by Anara George. Some of her solo stuff, some from her band, The Bird and the Bee. Anara, uh, I met her when she did my uh, my old show at UCB Theater here in L.A. And uh, I'm going to say this. She is as nice as her voice is angelic. And it's very angelic. So she's very nice. Big fan. Um, download her music. Okay, let's officially start this whale cave. I want to get something off my chest. I've uh, I'm, Okay, I mentioned before how I want my daughter to have cool music growing up, and I do, but lately I, I've been trying to um, accept that she's, uh, you know, she's two, she's two years old, and she wants to hear Wheels on the Bus more than Radiohead. That's just fact. Okay, so, so now I'm just encouraged that she likes music a lot, she sings a lot, and she likes uh, listening to the radio, and... I, I play her Adele, and she seems to like that, and, and the Beatles, and whatever. And I'm also encouraged when she gets CDs for gifts, like she uh, did for her birthday. I love seeing the collection of CDs on her shelf. It just, you know, makes me happy. Uh, and I don't want to throw away any of her gifts, no matter what the music is, because they're gifts, uh, A, and B, because I just don't like throwing away music. I'm kind of a music hoarder, CDs, tapes, vinyl, whatever, um, my mother-in-law even got her the Wiggles the other day, and I was like, all right, let's, just, let's build the shelf, right? However, recently, I had a dilemma that kind of rocked my musical ethics. Um, she got a CD, and I have it right here. Uh, she got the CD uh, called Little Miss Muffet and Other Playtime Favorites, which I, you know, seems pretty innocuous. Uh, first track, uh, Polly Put the Kettle On, you know, sure. Uh, Little Miss Muffet, standard, second track. Third track, though, this is where, okay, I started, I was like, I don't know if I can keep this CD in the house. The third track is called I Love Pussy. Now, the CD is not from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, it is, Wu-Tang Clan, look, they cut right to it. They do love pussy. And they say it a lot. Oh, old Dirty Bastard once said famously, maybe not famously, but he once said, um, I don't have a problem with you fucking me. But I do have a problem with you not fucking me. That was a then that they just cut to it, and I respect that. But on a kid CD, I don't know. I just don't think you should have the track called "I Love Pussy." And I'm a prude. I don't swear a lot. I don't. I rarely ever say "pussy" unless I'm talking about apparently a children's CD that has a track called "I Love Pussy." I can only imagine that this is the work of some disgruntled music producer who thought he was making some sort of like 
you know, he always wanted to make some sort of animal collective art rock career, but now he finds himself sort of trapped in the kids' music world, and he's he drank a lot of Shiraz one night in the studio, and he's like, fuck it, I'm just putting the title I Love Pussy on the kid's CD. I don't care. And I, it just, it disturbs me, but again, I don't want to throw this away. So I'm, I'm having a conflict. I know if I play it for my daughter, she's going to mimic it, and I don't really want her singing I Love Pussy in her preschool circle time, you know, because she will if I play it. So a friend tells me, I'm telling a story of a friend of mine, and and, uh, and she reminds me that um, in England they say pussy instead of cat. And sure enough, I could have just listened to the CD and figured that out, but I didn't because I'm a baby. So I put in the CD uh, when my daughter's not around. And again, it is from the UK, the CD. So uh, I, I listened to it, and uh, and it's this older woman who is singing in a very creepy voice, I love little pussy, oh, I love little pussy. And that's so much worse. Like, it's not just, you know, old-fashioned, you know, big pussy or whatever. It's it's little. I just, I can't have my daughter hear this. And for the record, I want to say, if my daughter ends up loving pussy, that's fine. This isn't about, I hope she would phrase it differently when she tells us. Like, she wouldn't just come in and be like, I love pussy. <laughs> Maybe she'd say, I'm a lesbian or what have, whatever. It just, she would, you know what I mean? There'd just be a more dignified approach. <sighs> anyway. So I literally, I, I told my wife this too, and she was like, just, who cares? Just skip the song. But it, it, when I get in these weird spirals, it just, I, I can't help thinking about it. So um, I still don't want to throw it away, and I thought it'd be bad luck or something. So I, I did what a mature father would do. I, I hit it. <laughs> I hit it. We have these like cubes where you store stuff, and we put our feet on the cubes. And uh, so I hit it in there under some DVDs we don't watch, and then I just listened to some Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> that was the bird and the bee with La La La. There's a good kid song title, La La La. But I love pussy. Come on. All right, I'm done. I'm done. All right. For, All right. Oh. <laughs> no, no, join in. Do I not? Do it. Okay. All Welcome right. Welcome to the Wellcade. Oh, for gosh. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's Paul Tompkins across the way. I'm just from across the way. Across, from across the way. Hey, don't be fooled by... <laughs> <laughs> don't be fooled by the fancy words that I say. I'm still just Paul from across the way. Wow. Music. Music already. <laughs> Less than a minute in, <laughs> Paul is dropping lyrics. I'm dropping lyrics like they are heavy, too heavy for me to lift. Mm, that's a rough. That, that's a rough draft. I want. I'm looking song. for something to show you um, because of your disgusting story that you told at the top of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Was it disgusting? Well, to my uh, delicate sensibilities. Oh yes. right. Yeah. I mean, sure. it is simply not done. Um, Wait, what's not – your sensibilities aren't done? My, simple, my sensibilities <laughs> simply aren't done, dear boy. Are they still – I'm sorry to dowager countess you. Roasting? Um, I have in my telephone, mm-hmm. my mobile telephone, yep. I have a Bob Newhart album mm. in my iTunes. Okay. And one of the tracks is called Pussycat. Uh-huh. But uh, can you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's they have – Asterisked out the yeah. word pussy, yeah. No, there's no way you're telling me that Bob Newhart – did some sort of red fox bit. Paul, I'm holding in my hand a CD, which has... I'm going to show it to Paul and get his reaction live. What's the third track say, Paul? What's the third track say? 
The third track says "I love pussy." Yeah, yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't like asterisk it out. I know. Thereby, it's filthy. Well, but they're but they're saying, look, this guy's not saying what you think he's saying, you juvenile idiot. <laughs> but on this, Isn't they he, are. Though? This iTunes is saying, oh, but look, this is going to offend somebody. Bob Newhart, I'm assuming, is doing some filthy comedy bit. Let me ask you a question. Yes. You open that up. Yeah. You're reading the tracks. Yes. It's not, it's not jarring. The third thing. Of course, no. Obviously, seeing that is jarring. Okay. That's but I'm case not, closed. <laughs> Wait, no. what were we arguing? <laughs> we weren't arguing. I don't think we were arguing. I just like saying case closed. <laughs> it is fun to say. Yeah. I'll allow it. Wait, go watch ahead. yourself. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just joking. Um, well, there's no... I, by the way, I have not listened to the track yet, <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. But I cannot imagine... I feel like we would know if Bob Newhart did some super filthy <laughs> double entendre bit that we would know about it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like okay. his bits are very innocuous. Yeah, oh, of course. He's sure. not Lenny Bruce, you know. No. But I will point this out. He was out. a precursor to Clint Eastwood's bit at the convention. That's right. One-sided, for that. one-sided, one-sided conversation, conversation comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I thought you Clint were- Eastwood only the second guy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's Newhart, Eastwood. The end. There's room. Case closed. Case closed. <laughs> um, I thought you were saying, how could this be offensive, this song, if-, if No, new- that's you being defensive. You're right, it was. I was being defensive, and I apologize for starting this whole interview that way. But I will say this, and this, to, to bolster your case, which you did not have to make. Oh, thank God. Um, that in England, do you remember there was a show called Are You Being Served that they showed on PBS here? No. It was a... In the old days, I would have said yes. Terrible sitcom that takes place in a department store. Mm-hmm. And it's full of the uh, even, so I would say, sub-threes company... Um, dirty jokes and that's <laughs> the whole thing and so there's this woman this crazy old lady who works at a department store and she's always talking about her pussy and this was the 70s okay and it totally is a double entendre joke so it's not like in England they don't right exactly have that word yeah thank you they do right and, and apparently they've had it for at least a handful of decades <laughs> at least been on the television. I'm assuming this uh, CD did not come out in 1965. No, this CD. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, I believe it came out in the in the 19. In, oh, it fell Cl- out. Clank. Um, case open, right? <laughs> case open. Um, I'm here with Bob Tompkins. So am I. And uh, <laughs> it's a giggle fest. It's just a giggle fest. We're just giggling. Just giggling. We're a couple of giggle buddies. We are giggle buddies. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, I wanted you to come on the show for many reasons. And I did. And you did. Jesus. What more do you want? <laughs> I don't. Uh, do, wait, was Case there more? closed. No. That's it. <laughs> um, but you were saying, uh, you actually, I on your first CD, you mm-hmm. had a, a thing, which I, I, I thought it would be interesting to talk about, but I'd like to talk about what you want to talk about more. But you have a thing about jazz, how much you hate jazz. Yes, and I, when I was starting to do the podcast, I thought, and thinking of people I wanted on, that that story really resonated with me because just because I love jazz. And but do you love all jazz? No, I don't. But your take on it was really funny, so yeah. I thought, oh, that'd be probably be fun to talk to. This is one of those things where you make a joke that's a it's a general silly joke, but it makes people argue with you. And I've over the years, it stopped eventually, right? But over the years, I had people want to. Tell me that I was wrong about that bit, and that oh, really? there's actually a lot of great jazz, and you right, know, yeah. uh, 
one night at uh, Largo, uh, the old Largo is a nightclub here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Now moved to a theater space, but it used to be this little intimate nightclub. And um, one of the musicians that I had known for years and years was a friend of mine. Uh, after that album came out, um, or no, it was before. It was well before that album came out. I think when I first started doing that bit. One night from the stage, like he starts, like c- arguing the bit. <laughs> like I'm just standing in the back of the room watching the show. Right. And he, like, kind of sets up my bit and what I talked about, and then starts telling me how wrong I am about it. And the crowd's like, "Woo!" and all this. I'm like, what? What's happening? Why is this not? So the crowd's on his side. The crowd is on his side his pro- against his pro- me. Pro- yes. Yeah, like what? What an ignorant thing that was for me to say. Right. And it was really weird. Yeah. Like, that is just a silly bit. Right. I don't know. Why Why are you mad about it? You're yeah. not even a jazz musician. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was a really – it was strange. And, I, and I, it was one of those things where I was experiencing it and I was thinking, I think this is strange, but maybe other people don't think it's strange. <laughs> and then afterwards, another friend of ours said, uh, I'm sorry that that happened. That was weird and I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah. Was there a jazz – pro-jazz convention coming through? <laughs> yeah, and he was just covering his bases. Right. Yeah. Hey, are you friends with that jazz hater? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking him down tonight. We're gonna beat you up. Yeah. Tonight's his night. Um, but there's there's plenty of jazz that I do like. Uh, yeah. But it's the really super avant garde stuff. Experimental that, sort of. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. find very atonal and irritating. Yeah. And, you know. No, absolutely. What struck me about the bit was just that I usually when you're on, I'm not <laughs> I'm not uh, being a sycophant, but usually when you're talking about something, I'm like yes. And that just happened to be something. I'm like, oh, but I wouldn't argue with you about it. But could it. you still enjoy the bit? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's hilarious. Good. Although you broke eye contact, which makes me think that you're what not you telling mean? the truth. <laughs> no. I'm currently looking down. Somebody told me that once that when you lie, you break eye contact. And now it's all I think about. <laughs> my wife, I always call my wife on that. In fact, it happened last night. Like, we'll have a conversation and I'll. Say something to try and get her just to – like I'll say like, but you're okay with it, Just to get it, her to right? break eye contact. Yeah, exactly. Like, look down. <laughs> There's a plane <laughs> on fire. Um, but anyway, but she did it last night and I I was like, wait a minute. You look down. And then she'll do the thing where she looks straight at me and opens her eyes yes, really of course, widely. Which is that people look completely honest and trustworthy <laughs> when they're doing that. Yeah, exactly. When their eye – you can tell her how, uh, how dry their eyeballs are. Yeah. Like we're at the end of a staring contest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm breaking eye contact just to think of the next. Oh, sorry. No, you're, you're pointing. It, no, it's not like <laughs> it, it's not like you're never allowed to break eye yeah. contact. It's just that's an indicator of a falsehood. But it's not always a falsehood. It's something else. When I moved to LA, I worked on quite a bit. I tried having better eye contact, and then I went way off the eye contact rails. Like I can't. Yeah. Now I'm where it's too much. Way too much. Yeah. And now I'm caught in this weird in between where I, I just think about it a lot. I went to a Jonathan Richmond concert once. And somebody told me to, to – I'd never seen him live before and they said, get ready for a lot of eye contact. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And then I went and experienced it and he will look at people in the audience and you sort of – like as a performer, you understand this. There's there's a sort of middle distance maybe that you right. do. Singers I think make more direct eye contact with people perhaps um, but uh, because perhaps they – possess more confidence than <laughs> comedians um, because as a comedian you're afraid of looking at the person who's not into what you're saying right and will just give you the stone face yeah but um, <laughs> singers because they're singing songs about 
love or whatever, they're like really acting it out. And so they'll look at somebody and do that, you know, like eye contact with the soulful head shake back and forth. It's like, I really mean what I am singing right, right. now. But this Jonathan Richmond character, he like <laughs> stares into people's faces for a long amount of time. Really? Yes. And it happened to like at one point his his eyes lighted on me and I couldn't handle it. Like <laughs> why stop it? <laughs> why are you looking at me? Were you close to him? Or, I mean, not that sm- close. It was a small venue. It was, it was a small, small venue. Assume, small right. venue, but I was not like right up front. Like right. I was kind of in the back. But he made sure it was like he was making sure that he was going to make eye contact with every person in the room. And you don't know him. You just No. He just had a he was just making the rounds. Could he have seen your anti-jazz bit and just been offended as a as a player? Well, of the instruments, I took it more as like you mean like a sort of uh, Phil Collins in the air tonight scenario. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden there was a spotlight on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Did that make? I assume you don't want to see Jonathan Richmond ever again. If I do, I'm going to wear smoked glasses. <laughs> Like the Invisible Man wore in H.G. Wells, the or Invisible just, Man. Or just glasses with eyeballs that, like, poker players wear exactly. with the eyes on them. Exactly. Or that's another way. Poker players. <laughs> what? Now go poker players don't do that. They I, do. I've no. Seen, I've seen them play, yeah. Really? I got defensive again. But I know they wear sunglasses, but is anybody – is there any poker player who does – I guess because if you lose, you would look like such an asshole. <laughs> I know. I've seen, I've seen those guys where um, – there's one – I feel like it's one guy in particular, uh, <laughs> which it's completely irrelevant, uh, named Phil Helmuth, who's like a big – Yeah. Right. He took over hosting uh, – um, what you call it? Celebrity Poker Tournament. I thought you were going to say whose line is it anyway. No. <laughs> well, because uh, Dave – I used to watch that show for Dave Foley. Um, I'm not any fan of poker. I don't care about it. Me neither. But I would watch – because I like Dave this Foley a This is the longest poker conversation we've and had it, on Wheelcake. That can't be true. <laughs> yes. Look, I'm, it up. Uh, look, I'm a listener. Look it up on Wikipedia. You and Lou Schneider didn't talk about <laughs> poker for a good 25 minutes? First Lou Schneider reference also. <laughs> I'm one behind. One Lou Schneider reference behind? I'm one. Yes, no, I, you're I, one I promise you point. five. <laughs> um, no, I'm one episode of the podcast behind. Terrific. Thank you for being at all behind. Well, I hope I don't reference something in the, in the episode I haven't listened to yet. I'll scrub it out. Please scrub it out. Yeah. If thine eye offends thee, scrub it out of the podcast. Scrub it out, Iago. Um, so, yeah. So then I, I do know who that guy is because he took over for Phil Gordon, who was the previous poker guy. Man. That bell nap is nodding, nodding okay. and thumbs up and shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> that shrug at the end, I feel it canceled everything out. <laughs> yeah. It's a catch-all. I don't know where I stand it's now. It sounded right. Yeah. No, I saw Phil Helmuth wearing those eyeglasses, I believe. Wow. That's bold. Yeah. You can email me at matt at whalecave.com if you disagree with that. That's a real curly move. Yeah, definitely curly. Yeah. Um, You were talking about concerts. You mentioned you – I know you open up for a lot. Shut up for one second. Sorry. I feel like you and I share a love of making up terms. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Pretending things are things that are not things. Oh, for sure. Yes. I live in a world of non-existing yes. items. I also love a portmanteau. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. For listeners out there who don't know what a portmanteau is, we're talking Boker and portmanteau is here on Whale Cave. <laughs> the least <laughs> listened to podcast ever. <laughs> Poker and portmanteaus. <laughs> PNP. Portmanteau would you describe as two words that come together to make up a um, 
a, 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 a word another, to describe one thing. Right, yes. exactly. Yes. I'm trying to think I believe of that one is now. Correct. Uh, and I believe sometimes an actual, like some sort of, or maybe that's where the word comes from. Isn't there like a, a piece of luggage that is called a portmanteau? Oh, could be. I, I don't know. So. I could be wrong. Maybe that's a non-existing thing. We're talking pokes and ports. We're talking pokes and ports and poker portmanteau for long. Um, <laughs> you were open. Okay, so. I made Katie Fosley. Katie Crown coming up on the show a little on bit later. Deck and laughing. On, on an uncomfortable couch. <laughs> Just to set the scene. Um, okay. I know you open up for a lot of people. Yes. Um, Wait, did we did we finish? We did. Well, I can't. We really went down a twisty trail. We we went on a very twisty trail. I don't even know what we were going to finish. Let's get off it. We're off the trail. We're on a new hike. We are O the T. Uh, you first of all, in your show, the Pop Tompkins show. Yes, you have a lot of great musicians come on the show. It's true. I'm very fortunate in that uh, I've, I've drawn. It's a variety show that I have done at Largo for many years. And you're and still doing it. You do it once a month. Yes, although uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, okay? Um, just because it's been a very busy year and I'm uh, I'm burnout. I was doing a lot of things at the same time, and yes. I think I think all of them were suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, Spread too thin, eh? I spread myself a little bit too thin. Got it. And no one enjoys that, right? No, no, no one. No. Does. no one wins in that scenario. No, and it's like the opposite is not spread yourself too thick. No, it's uh, spread yourself the right amount. Yes. Yeah, like, a, nice, a nice schmear. A nice, a nice schmear. This is what I'm saying, Matt. I hit the microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, but you have a lot of people. people don't the need show. the details about my my life and my sleep schedule. But yes, I have a lot of uh, great musical guests over the years. Uh, people like Amy Mann and Granley Phillips, uh, Rhett Miller from the old ninety sevens, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Bird. I had one time. Um, uh, Fiona Apple yep, has yep. done the show. Uh, John Bryan, John Bryan, many times. Michael was my Penn? first musical guest, Michael Penn. Yes, Love the most Michael recent. Penn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, a lot of great singer songwriters, um, people that I really enjoy. And so I, I assume you've not only had them on the show, but I you, have you opened up for? I know you've opened up for Amy Mann, correct? Yes, I've probably opened up for all of those people. I, I, I was going to say, I assume yeah. you've at some point the uh, uh, musical tables turned, and they <laughs> they did a longer set, and you opened up. And Amy, yes. didn't you? Do you also uh, sort of? Doesn't she do a thing with her show, or she used to, where comedians would sort of do her banter? Yeah, that's way back when. She, I think that was, um, man, oh man, that might be ten years ago now that she started doing that. That seemed like that a was, lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. She started doing it at Largo, and um, then she and Michael Penn uh, went on a tour, mm-hmm. and they brought comedians on some of the dates to do just that and it, and it was a lot of fun it was funner to do it at Largo than it was out on the road because out on the road they would ask me to do a set and uh, up front and guess what nobody wanted to hear what I had to say right so it was it was really rough it was really rough because they're not like heckling necessarily but they're not giving you anything and then towards the end there would be people that would make little funny comments or I remember one time somebody said bring on Amy Mann which I really yeah like that to me is so weird first of all it's the the weird thing about an opener being heckled is that don't you think that this person that you came to see that you like they like 
they wanted me to be here. Exactly. Like this was a this is on purpose. <laughs> this is not like they have no say in it. You know, like so a little respect at least for that. Like you don't have to enjoy it, but keep your comments to yourself. You know, <laughs> right? You you can laugh. You can vote with your non laughter. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, I and I'll get the message. Believe me, I won't. I won't be confused as to how well it's going. <laughs> like, oh, they're nice and respectfully quiet. This is great. Yeah. Like, I'll get that you don't like me. I love that I can hear myself tell yeah. these jokes. <laughs> they're it's they are so fast. really listening. Yeah, they're intent. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's a thing that happens a lot with with um, with comedians opening for music, and it's like if you're a band that's opening for another band, mm-hmm. and people aren't into it, they will probably just not be in the room, you know, or they'll just sit there and not, but they, and do anything, but they won't yell stuff out necessarily. But for a comedian, for whatever reason, it moves people to anger, mm-hmm. and they get, it's like so wildly. Angry and disrespectful, and I've never understood it. I, I just – I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Yeah, especially at those kind of shows, like an Amy Mansion. Yeah, you think, a singer-songwriter. You think you're gathering the most – not gentle audience, but genteel. Like, you know, How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're genteel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're enjoying her sort of melancholy – lovely song exactly well you would think that this is a crowd that is capable of uh empathy right yeah like if this is the kind of music you like Mm -hmm. maybe you have feelings and you have (laughs) not checked them at the door right but then i would come back to do the banter portion and then when we're all on stage together then it was like i was a completely different person you know where they liked me well, right. They liked me in the presence of the people that they liked. Because she's – it's right. She, her stamp of approval is apparent. Yes. She's right there laughing, I'm assuming. But honestly, it was like I would say something funny on stage with them and then everybody would laugh because, you know, they would laugh. You know, Amy and Michael would laugh. And then it really was like, now, who's this guy? He's hilarious. Right. They should have had this guy open up. It's sort of a focus group for a laugh track in a way. Like, it makes sense. That's exactly right. Laugh tracks work. Have you? Did you have any particular experiences opening up for other people that were either ridiculous or like at a festival or anything? Or there, oh, there was there. Because those are kind of big now. I feel like the Bumbershoot type situations. Bumbershoot is the only one I think that's a music festival that does the comedy the right way because most of them because they they treat it like it's a comedy show as opposed to like a music show. And mm-hmm. Most of them are like. Yeah, what's the difference? Just uh, we'll stick a microphone on there. <laughs> what else do you need? We'll just a microphone. There's speakers. <laughs> the end. But you know, you're outdoors where case the sound, closed. I don't even like watching music outdoors because the sound oh. just evaporates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not fun. And then uh, a lot of times you have the the bleed through of other bands coming from across you know the fairgrounds or whatever. Um, and it's hot, and there's no place to sit, and you know you're just like standing on, honestly, <laughs> like uneven surfaces. Like right. I went to see, uh, I did, the last festival I did was Outside Lands in, uh, in the San Francisco area, and it was terrible. It was terrible. I went to see um, the old 97s, and I'm standing on this like slight, you know, gradient of a hill. Right. And it's like after a while, I'm like, this is wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> right. I can't stand here and watch the show, but watch it, I did. <laughs> um, That'll prove me. Yeah, I'm going to show everybody. That'll show me. <laughs> um, but I, I was performing <laughs> literally inside a circus tent. Mm. That's, that's what they think of comedy. <laughs> right. It's like, well, we should probably put the comedy in that place. Because like, <laughs> the other people sharing the tent with us. Uh, were um, uh, some like weird 
cross between a burlesque show and a carnival where they had like sexy ladies with tons of tattoos <laughs> and fishnet stockings doing whatever it is they do, uh-huh. but also like a guy who swallows swords, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, the the experience that you have uh, at the music festivals, um, it's and it's the it's better at Bumbershoot because you see this less, but it still happens a little bit. People just coming and going right. the whole time. And you can see them way too well. Like the venue is way too well lit. And so you're just watching people be um, interested to see, curious about you. And then you see their interest wane immediately. <laughs> right. And then you see them talk to their friends about leaving. And then you see them leave. <laughs> and all the while, like I'm competing with the Black Keys – who are miles away but have gigantic speakers. And so it's just underscoring everything that I'm doing and reminding people that there's probably better stuff to see or reminding people that there was not room for you at the Black Keys and now you're taking shelter (laughs) under this exterminator's tent. tent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're being fumigated. Yeah, with my comedy. Yeah. (laughs) But it was horrible. It was really horrible. So I did two sets that day. And the first set was... Day two, that's another problem. Yeah, daytime. Yeah. Daytime. Comedy is a nighttime thing. Nighttime. It's nighttime. Yeah. Nighttime. Nighttime thing. Nighttime. Nighttime. Night-night. Comedy. Night-night. Night-night audience. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone wears their sleeping caps. Yeah. They're all holding their candles in their candlestick holders. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're Go having on. warm milk. Yeah. And they're enjoying comedy. Yeah. Night-night. It's the way it's always been. Creepiest. And all I'm doing comedian. is saying night night over and over again. Night night. Looking people in the eye like Jonathan Richmond. Oh, that's right. Making make sure they get the message. Eye contact. Intent eye contact. Night night. Night night. Turn the lights on. I turn on one of those Brookstone machines, the environmental machines. <laughs> you hear the sound of the stream. First I pull the audience. What sound do you want to hear? <laughs> and then I hold my hand over the different sounds. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you have them all. Oh, do you have all the machines set up? Or is no, it, no, no. It's just like just over the, the little the, buttons. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which I can see in the audience. Ocean. See. Yeah, exactly. Some people don't like the ocean because Heartbeat. because of the birds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One time I was looking for an environmental CD online because I like to listen to the sound of the ocean or a gentle summer rain. <laughs> and I was, I was reading the customer reviews of the ocean CDs. And somebody had written on Amazon, why are there always noisy damn birds on ocean tapes? <laughs> and that person was right. That person there, was right, but also wrong for writing a review. No, it helped. CD. It helped because I didn't buy that dumb CD. And then I started looking at them more closely. And then there were, ones, there were a lot where they pointed out, like, this one's great. No birds. <laughs> Because if you're – especially if you're trying to sleep to it, if you're trying to relax and go to sleep to it and you're listening to – that's great. And then all of a sudden, that's not relaxing. I understand it's authentic. I get that there's birds at the ocean. (laughs) Right. But that's not relaxing. Yeah. I I got one. It was very cheap and I found out why because there was a shark attack (laughs) in the middle. It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yet uh, very terrifying <laughs> anywho oh. well there is there is a famous story fam- famous to me story 
that I tell on my latest uh, uh, DVD, DVD and CD. Of What's that opening. called, Paul? It's called Laboring Under Delusions. Can you get that now? You can get that now on Amazon. You can get the DVD. But if you wait uh, just a little bit, you can get the audio version, mm-hmm. which includes extra material. Um, would and, that be, and it's a totally different performance. The audio version would be a CD. It would be a CD okay. or an MP3 download. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, and I tell the story of opening for Grantley Phillips, Grantley Buffalo, excuse me, mm-hmm. at the Whiskey A Go Go and being <laughs> pelted with ice cubes. <laughs> no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's weird how. That must not have been recently. You're, no, you're, you're long, past pelting at this point. It was a long time ago, but guess what? It was long enough. I've been doing it long enough that that should not have been happening either. But I mean, was, by the way, it never should happen. I'm not condoning yes, it. It never should happen. Any, like, I'm not saying, oh, he's new. Pelt him. Happen. Get him. But, I, but the last time I did Bumbershoot, just this past Labor Day weekend, somebody threw something on the stage. Really? A guy, this drunk guy. This country. This guy was so drunk, and he went. The show had just started. We were like a minute in, and this guy rushed in to the sh- to the to the f- like the front row like three rows back and he um is you know getting past these people like, excuse me excuse me excuse me getting past like ju- walking over people mm-hmm. to get to a seat then he jumps literally jumps into a seat an empty seat in the row in front of the one where he <laughs> inconvenienced all of the people <laughs> right and i was like i got to talk to this guy yeah i got he's got my attention and so i start talking to him and it be it's immediately apparent that he's hammered out of his mind right and so as i'm talking to him and he's giving back drunk nonsense answers and i don't know what i said to prompt this but he had a pair of cheap giveaway sunglasses like from budweiser that he threw onto the stage now whenever anybody throws anything onto the stage at you it's at best it's disrespectful but at worst it's like I don't know what this guy is capable of. I don't yeah. know what he's going to do. So I picked up the sunglasses and put them on mm. and started talking to him. And then he said something that I pretend to be I pretended to be outraged by and I whipped the sunglasses off and I threw them on the ground. And I stomped on them. <laughs> and they very satisfyingly exploded into a million pieces, right? <laughs> and the audience goes crazy because this is really what they want to see more than anything else, more than comedy, right. is they want to see some sort of comedic violence right so this caused the guy to take his regular sunglasses and throw them on the stage and i said Mm. to him you saw what just happened right yeah and he said yes and i said you you know what i'm going to do now and he said he said what (laughs) and then i stomped on his sunglasses (laughs) and the crowd loses their minds (laughs) And then now I realize I've gone too far and now I have to – now I have to somehow get this guy to be quiet and also calm the audience down because now all they want to see is this. And this is the beginning of the show that I'm hosting and I've ruined it for everybody <laughs> oh, else. Oh, this is at the beginning? Yes. Yeah, so I was able to get the guy – I said, I will reimburse you for your sunglasses but you have to promise you'll be good for the rest of the show. Like you'll be nice to the rest of the comedians. You won't say anything. And he said, I'll, I promise. And so I had <laughs> – in trying to quell uh, quell the crowd, I said, "Hold on a second. Let's not let's not get too excited about what's happening here. I don't want before you start chanting Jerry, Jerry. Let's not go too far <laughs> down that road. That caused this guy to think my name was Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the show, he's fine. He's, he's as good as his word. And then afterwards, um, I'm backstage with the other comedians, and somebody from the theater comes up and says, uh, "Oh, the gentleman is uh, is waiting." Um, to see you about his sunglasses. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. So I go and I talk to him and he, 
as soon as I walk up to him, he starts into his thing. Look, I'm just I just came to see the show, uh, right? And you see, there's a seat, and I sit in the seat, and you're doing your thing, and um, I offered you a gift from my heart of those sunglasses, <laughs> and I throw them up on stage. You step on it, whatever. That's fine. So then. When I throw my other sunglasses up on stage, he does not give a reason for why that happened. <laughs> you right. stomped on him, and you know at that point, you know I'm like, okay, I try to give you a gift. You don't like it. There's no need for you to step on my sunglasses. And I said, How much do the sunglasses cost? And he tells me, and I said, what's your address? And he's like, I live on Vashon Island. Everybody knows me. <laughs> you can ask me. He's like, just give me. <laughs> The address. I'm not going to make a field you know, trip to this to island. Deliver them? Yeah. Listen. Do you know this guy? He's like yeah. everybody knows me. Do you know a guy who throws sunglasses? <laughs> oh, Carl. So he gives me his name and address, and then I said to him, "Okay, just so you know, when you throw things on stage, it's very disrespectful, and don't do it. And I, I don't know, you know, if you're going to get violent or whatever. So, but it's rude to do, and you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when you, after you threw the first pair of sunglasses up on stage, and I stepped on them. When you saw me do that, <laughs> it was unwise of you to throw the second pair on stage. And he went, listen. And then I just walked away from him because uh, case closed. Case closed. As I'm walking away, he calls after me, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's festivals for you. That's festivals in a nutshell. People are allowed to drink all day. <laughs> They're allowed yeah. to drink all day in the sun. <laughs> Um, they need to be, there needs to be a winter festival. I would think. Where people are out in the snow all day. Or at a convention center. <laughs> no, I want them out in the snow all okay. day. Okay, that's fair, Jerry. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> We've been talking to Jerry, <laughs> who uh, does the Paul F. Tompkins show. That's true. And the Paul F. Tom cast. No. Um, what? It's the, it's the Pod, Pod F. F. Tom cast. I'm sorry. I get one thing wrong a show. That was it. That's all right, Matt Cave. <laughs> Look, I get one thing wrong a show. <laughs> that was it. What was the thing you – I understand it's a spoiler. What was the thing you got wrong last episode? <laughs> although, I, I, although, I don't know how many of these you have banked. Do you have a bunch banked? I have, I, I have, I have some in the bank. Oh. I don't want to reveal my secrets. All right, fair enough. 17. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. I, I like to bank a few, you know? How about you? You bank? <laughs> no, I'm way behind. Yeah. Wait, what? I'm in debt. I'm underwater with my podcast. You're underwater? You're owing? Yes. You're owing? Yeah. Is the bank going to take your podcast? Oh, God, I wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> the Bank F podcast? I wish the bank would put out my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would free up a lot of time for me. The Pod F Tomcast <laughs> yes. by Wells Fargo. That's right. Yeah. Chase presents. That'd be great. Well, Jerry, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure, Matt. I hope you join Matt Cave again. <laughs> I know that I will. I really enjoy the podcast very much. You do? Yes, I do. New promo. <laughs> do you want me to do what? What do they call it when you do the promos? Billboard uh, it. What yeah, is that? Where you put up a billboard? Uh, yeah. Where you say? There's, I know there's a name for it when you say your name and everything. It's a yeah. This is the. I'm not it's just a, a promo. It's a promo. Yeah. Hi, this is Paul F. Tompkins. You're listening to Whale Cave with Matt. It's the Whale Cave. No, it's just Whale Cave. Just Whale Cave. Yeah. See, we don't know the names of each other's podcasts. <laughs> Hi, this is Paul F. Tompkins. You're listening to Whale Cave with Matt Price. That's all we need. Thanks, Paul. What a number! Like the rest of them, how can you bear 
Tompkins, funny man. The podcast is called his podcast. Let me just clarify. It's called the Pod F Tomcast. Check it out. He also has several hilarious comedy albums. The first one is called Impersonal, and that's the one that has the track about disliking jazz. Just want to clear that up. Oh, also, here's some examples of portmanteaus because I failed earlier to provide them, and I know how important portmanteaus are to my listening audience. Uh, Frappuccino, Jazzercise. Turducken, and one of my favorite portmanteaus, of course, bootylicious. That's a that'd be a blend of booty and delicious. If you did, couldn't figure that out, Beyonce gave us that one. That's music related, and to her we give thanks. And uh, and once again, that was an R. George with her song "What a Number." Um, I, can I say this too? Bird and the Bee, her band, they uh, did this great compilation of Hall and Oates covers, and uh, they did this version of "I Can't Go for That" that is honestly better than the Hall and Oates version. Sorry, Hall Oates. It's true. I know you guys are huge fans of Whale Cave, but I can't lie. I can't lie, everybody. Um, next guest, also very funny. Uh, we were recently in a show together, and she was very funny. I admittedly struggled a bit, but she was uh, very funny. She was uh, <laughs> and she just groaned a little bit. Um, uh, LA Weekly's, uh, this year she was one of LA Weekly's 10 comics to watch in 2012. And I'm very happy she's here. Uh, mm. Katie Crown. Yeah. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> just did a little self-cheer. Yeah. We're just trying to get everyone. Yeah. Get I'm, every- not, I'm not my own hype man. <laughs> get everyone pumped. Do you guys ever have that show? Uh, no. I make Canadian show reference. Do you guys ever have Degrassi, that show? Junior Catwalk. Hall? It was called Catwalk. It was about a band. That sounds familiar. On YTV. I don't know if maybe you can find stuff here, but they were like... Uh, this band and uh, they had a hype man. His name was Atlas, and all he did in the band was just dance around with his shirt off in front of them to so, get people hyped up. So Catwalk was the band, and they had a show about the band. Yeah, it was like a Hannah Montana situation. Yeah, but they were they were like in their late teens, early twenties, just trying to make it. Catwalk. Yeah, and Nev we- Campbell was in it. That was her first big thing. Oh, pre Party of Five. Yeah, pre Party of Five. Yeah. she was like I think eighteen or nineteen. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know. But did they actually have music that you could like? Was mm. that is it that kind of thing or no? Oh, it was just about. I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know. I've never really actually. She don't know much about the show. For it. You never seen it. I used to watch it a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Catwalk. Anyway, Catwalk. Atlas. I am my own Atlas. Is what I mean in a roundabout way. Anyway, Katie Crown here to promote Catwalk. That was a musical. See. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Next is showing me Catwalk, a Canadian musical drama series that ran for 49 episodes on the YTV network in 92 till 94. Matt Belknap. Matt Belknap again with some I... information about Canadian TV. Oh, MTV. Oh, I just, it was on MTV. It was on MTV. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Watch it. <laughs> hey, guys. We're going to Hulu right now. Um, well, Katie, you were telling me that you had some, um, uh, you used to, uh, well, anyway, you had a story that you're going to share. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to give it away, <laughs> but I don't want to. Yeah, that's my thing. But you're from, Ca- you're from Toronto. I'm from Toronto, Canada, yeah. And uh, you had a story about your early days yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. When I got started um, doing comedy, I, I was in a duo with my dear friend Ryan V. Hayes. We were in a duo called The Remainders, and it was like, we did musical stuff and just weird trivia sketches and things, um, and it was... Uh, really funny um <laughs> we had a friend show and we started off doing this duo like uh through improv and then we we clicked real well comedically and then so we we would perform all the time anyway we had this great duo and uh 
this band, uh, Friendly Rich and the Lollipop People, always had us open for them. They had like this residency. Wait, what were they called? Friendly Rich and the Lollipop People. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they would tour. They did a lot of like European tours and stuff. And they were a comedy group or a music? They were a band. But we meshed, but they're real experimental as well. And, and we meshed really well with them. Mm-hmm. And we were a good opener for their stuff. He really liked us. And so, and he was real supportive of us. So, um, he had suggested us as a backup performance for like this, uh, whatever, this special silent auction fundraiser thing at the Windsor Arms, which is like a super fancy hotel in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it was this big fancy event. And, uh, he he put our name in because I guess the the booker or whatever someone dropped out and they're real desperate. So he's like, "Mom, my friends are like the remainders are great. Have them perform." And then he's like, "Great, you're in." And we would get paid one hundred and fifty dollars. And I was like, "Oh, that's great. Nice, real broke." And um, and uh, then Ryan had to drop out for some reason. And uh, but I still said I'd do it because I really wanted sure. I needed the money. So you were I, the remainder of the remainder. I was the remainder of the remainder. So right. I was like. Yeah, man. Like uh, I was in, I was having emails with, I was having emails with the guy, like having <laughs> cocktails. I was having emails with the guy, and uh, I was like with the booker, and I was like, yeah, Ryan dropped out, but uh, I'll still be able to do it. And he's like, okay, great. Um, and I just figured that he, and he knew I, I did comedy, which is what I figured, because uh, I, I said, but I guess friendly, rich, rich, um, um, Marcel is the guy. Um, I guess he had told them that I, we were a musical duo, so he thought we were a band. So when I said I would be uh, solo, he was like, oh, Katie will do music by herself. Okay. So we were on different, I don't know, planes of thought. And did he know, did the, the person who you were talking to at the auction, did, I mean, did you, you didn't clarify, you were, was he telling you at this point, like, well, you're going to come in and do some music? Or No, it was just like we were both thinking different things. So Got he it, just okay. assumed that I was doing music, and I just assumed I was doing comedy. Okay. So then, uh, <laughs> so then I went to the event, uh, and I didn't realize it was extremely formal as well. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't dressed up, and uh, how many people? Is it a huge? It was like yeah, the whole floor, like main level of the lobby, and the I don't know. They had like a big kind of ballroom thing, um, and it's it like a nice, a, fancy old hall. Yeah, it's beautiful old hotel, historic in like Yorkville and Toronto. Yeah. Windsor Arms, they have, like, you can go for English tea time and stuff and fancy mm. things like that. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, I go there um, and meet up, and I'm supposed to do 20 minutes, and the booker says, oh, where's your band? And I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, what? And then I realized what happened, but I didn't, but I went along with it because I didn't, I wanted to get paid, and I thought that if I didn't go along with it, right, that yeah. I wouldn't get my $150. So I said... Oh, I don't have a band. And I just was like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to sing a cappella. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I, I don't have a band, actually. And he's like, oh, well, do you have a backup CD then or something to sing with? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to sing. <laughs> wow. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then uh, it was a very strange vibe. And then, sure. And then, um, are there other performers too? Or? Yeah, there were other performers. They had a real eclectic group. Um, yeah, they had uh, some uh, these these drag queens from Toronto that are very uh, musical and that wear bright colors. <laughs> and uh, I forget what else. There's a bunch of different musical acts, right? Stuff like that. Magic, I think. Mm-hmm. And like uh, there was like a clown, but 
yeah, I guess they had thought I was there to do music. And I went up, and then when he announced me, I went <laughs> on stage, and uh, I was like, hi, I'm Katie. <laughs> and then I just started, like, singing Agamemnon. Oh, really? I was just so like, you did it. You thank actually... you for having me. <laughs> I just was, like, making a mockery <laughs> of what they thought they had booked. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah, and then I, and then, but no, the other thing was, no one cared. Like, no, there are lots of people there walking around because it was a silent auction, so they had artwork all over the place, and people were just walking around. There wasn't really, like, you know, uh, there was a stage, but there wasn't, like, a sitting area. So everyone's just milling around, so it kind of didn't matter anyway, but no one's paying attention to me, so it's just this idiot you hear. (laughs) In the background. Going like, hey, I'm walking around. (laughs) And then I just started to... Yeah, acapella. And I was supposed to do it for 20 minutes, and I was just like, it got to the point where I was just like observing what people were doing and just saying like, there she is, buy some art. (laughs) Like, just... uh, uh, Anyway, and then I, about five minutes in, I look over to the booker, and he's just like going like, cut it <laughs> like no. putting his hand in his, on his neck like okay done was he mad or was he just like uh n- um no trying to be polite i think he's just being polite it's like you can leave you can get off stage yeah. and i was like oh, okay and then he gave me my 150 dollars nice and a drink ticket and Whoa. i had my glass of wine and then i left that's amazing that you did it i know i needed the money <laughs> even so <clears throat> i don't know why i did i don't know if i would but i yeah i just thought it would be funny yeah. And I didn't think it was that big a deal. I don't know. I wonder now if that was pretty disrespectful. I mean, I don't wonder. I mean, you well, you, you, I mean, you could look at it this way too. Like you had an obligation to do it. You were just confused and you tried to make the best of it. Yeah. Cause my plan was to do comedy, which I didn't even have much of that either. I was well, like, I, was I didn't even really like, stand up at the time. Yeah. I just had bits like where I'd read from stuff or like I had a, a letter I pretended that I was like, hey, I had a bit where, I don't know, what's this boring self-indulgence? Anyway, and, <laughs> uh, but where I'd be like, I brought some stuff in. It's always funny when you say, in bed at the end of a sentence. So I brought a letter. I just bring some random mail I've been holding on to. And let's say, in bed at the end of a sentence. <laughs> It'd be really funny. But then it's like a letter from my landlord. I pretend that I'm being evicted. Right. I'm still trying to do this thing. And anyway, so those are the types of things I would do, but not stand up. I feel like the that w- might not have really played with the black tie crowd yeah no one was listening anyway Doesn't maybe matter. the improv jazz singing <laughs> yeah no one cared did anyone throw their sunglasses at you there was one person no thank goodness there's or, or artwork that would <laughs> no one, yeah no one threw their but there was one person who came up to me later and was like uh you did okay <laughs> oh really yeah because i think they saw how like deflated i was and i was like I well guys thanks very much good night <laughs> like getting off stage and then, um, yeah, anyway. So you hung out a little me. bit? You hung out after? Well, that. I used my drink ticket, and then I sure. left. But I was I felt very sheepish. I was like, oh, man. I, I really, uh, I hope I, I hope this, like, uh, doesn't make my, I don't know, put my friend in a bad light with this person who gave me this job. You know? Right. Man, I, Scott, when you told me you wanted to talk about this, I, I was trying to think of jobs I had, because I feel like you lie, and you don't lie, but you, because you didn't lie. But I feel like at times when you go for a job, you you know, sort of embellish. Yes. You know. Like I, I've I've waited tables and I'm at the first time I waited tables, I I was like, I've totally waited tables before when I just needed money mm-hmm. to move out of my parents' house so I could move to New York and perform with my improv troupe highly improbable. <laughs> you know, like I was just I would do whatever I had to do. Yeah. 
But I feel like that's pretty common. I think so. But you weren't even doing that. You were just. I was just. You're making the best of the situation. Yeah, it's gumption, With your right? Fake jazz singing. Oh boy. There's well, lo- I do love to sing. A lot of piss and vinegar. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I can belt out a song, but uh, it definitely wasn't. I mean, it was pretty crummy. Anyway, it wasn't a yeah, it wasn't a, a plan. You didn't have a set list. Oh, yikes! You no, were, and I think you, I did bring it that was improvised banter that you were singing. Basically, yeah, I was just like pointing. I was just observing what people were doing and like what kind of art they were looking at, and like it didn't because like no one was listening right. at all. It was just like because there was no band or anything. It's just this dumb. Yeah, that's my favorite part about it, that you were just talking. I didn't know you were talking about people. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buy that sculpture. Yeah. Hey, lady. Pretty cheap. In the black dress, what do you think <laughs> of that art? It goes to charity. Yeah. It goes to charity. Like, just me. Yeah. Like yeah, it was, uh, it was a real nightmare. Well, like, wow. you know, like, when you're, like, you're kind of outside of yourself, I'm like, I can't believe what a, this is yeah. so stupid. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But then you get deeper in the hole, and you kind of have to just see it through. Yeah. Like, I could have said when he was like, where's your band? I'm like, oh, I'm not singing. I'm just doing comedy. Like, could have been that. But right. I just was like, no, I'll go along with this. This will yeah. work out. You chose the <laughs> 20 other minutes. Yeah. I didn't, eh. That is hilarious. Oh, boy. You also okay. said you worked in um, uh, Massey Hall. Yes. Which is... A Toronto, uh, that's a, is, that, is that a pretty famous yeah, it's concert an old, venue? It's an old music hall. It's been around, oh boy, I should know because I, we had to know this since like, oh boy, sorry You're our guys. first Canadian. So sorry I'm, guys, I can't remember when I was born. We, we, had, we knew all these facts, but now I don't remember. But I know the capacity, 2000. Okay. And 2007, people fit in, I think. 2007? Oh, I think so. Not. 2700 capacity, maybe, that's what it is. 2709. Okay. Anyway... I'm just whatever. the emails are going to roll in oh, from angry. I apologize Canadians. to my Massey friends, guys. Look, I've been working a while. Um, what what how, how, what age what, when you were you working there? Was this? Uh, this was like 2005. So this is co- sort of collegey. This was after just after university. I didn't have a job. Sorry, university. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm not good. As you can see, I'm not good with the international terms. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I always get called on it when I'm like university. Yeah. Like oh university. Oh, uh, I got some uh, <laughs> facts here. Uh, Matt Belknap is handing over some Matt, facts. Thank goodness. Uh, it's uh, an uh, <laughs> address. Oh, no. It's a historical concert hall uh, built in 1894 um, when it first opened. Mm-hmm. And uh, the capacity is 2,752 people. 2,752? You were very close. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Guys, check out Massey Hall. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, though. It's such an old place and... Uh, Intimate. Intimate. Even though it's 2,700? Yeah, it's, it's got like a balcony and then a gallery. But um, I worked there for a few years. And it was really fun because uh, I'd have friends that worked there. My my brother-in-law worked there and then his brother. So, you know, it was kind of fun. You know, everyone was pals and it was a real friendly atmosphere. Um, <clears throat> but there was a, during the Gordon Lightfoot, he would frequent, he would do the hall every year. Mm-hmm. He'd have like a few dates every year. Gordon Lightfoot, Canadian National Treasure. Um and Gord's gold. But as he got older, the hall had to like he he probably shouldn't be touring anymore. I don't know, maybe. He's he he has a rough time, I think. I feel bad saying this. No. I don't know if he listens. I don't know if he listens. Gord, I'm sorry, but man, take a break. <laughs> he well, it's like he's very quiet. Mm-hmm. The sound and uh so the 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 other band members were their mics would be turned way down and and the also the hall the heat had to be up cuz he needed the hall to be a certain temperature for his guitar. Oh, really? I don't know what that means. Is it bad that I'm saying this? 
Wait, you're giving up Gordon Lightfoot's yeah. secrets? I'll be blacklisted from his Christmas card <laughs> list. <laughs> Do you get a Christmas card from him? No. That'd be amazing. Yeah, not yet. Never now. Yeah, yeah not yet and never. Never now. Well, anyway. Wait, he needed yeah. it warmer for his guitar? Yeah, he wanted it. Maybe it was warm. Maybe it was colder. It was some sort of extreme temperature. I needed it 91 degrees. Maybe it was real cold. Wow. No, I think it was warmer. Okay. It needed to be a certain... Yeah, there were little... There were all sorts of things. Like, Paul Anka like, does, <laughs> demanded, like, a... Is it bad to say this stuff? I don't know. No, it's good. Oh, boy. Anyway. What? Let Paul Anka have it. Oh, <laughs> Whale Cave's been asking for... I feel bad being gossipy. I don't know. No, I can't let Paul Anka have it. He's too good to me. No, I yeah, no, he... No, I know. He's a nice guy. No, I don't know him. He's my height. Uh, <laughs> Is he? Yep. That's a little gossip. A little Paul Anka gossip. Uh, yeah, 5'4". Anyway, I don't know. You guys are... Um, no, I uh, one Gordon Lightfoot concert, very quiet concert. A woman got punched in the face by a man. And oh. it was such a quiet concert, you could hear. It was in the My balcony, God. and you hear like, ah, like a real scream. And I was floor captain at that time, and the balcony was my, I was <laughs> raining over the balcony. It was my job to, like, oversee it or whatever. And so I had to deal with it. So they called me up. We had, like, headsets. And, uh, yeah, this, so this, sure enough, like, this man had punched this woman in the face because she was singing along to all the songs, and he was frustrated. Oh, really? And the man was a lot smaller. He was older. Was it Paul Anka? No. <laughs> and the woman <laughs> and the woman was a very tall lady. I'd say, like, over six feet. And this guy was shorter than me. Uh, anyway, but he had turned around and punched in the face. Oh, my God. And broke her gla- Like, uh, not broke her glasses, but her glasses came off her face, I guess, and... Um, and they did not know each other? They did not know each other. He was getting irate because she was singing along with all the Gordon Lightfoot songs. And then the, sh- the shitty thing was that we had to ask the guy, well, we had to ask the guy, because we could kind of understand after a while with both of them talking that this woman was very annoying, <laughs> which is so mean to say. But she was like, I was just singing along with the songs. I was just, he's like my favorite, it's like my favorite Canadian singer and I don't see a big deal. I was like, sing along with the songs. Like, I have a right to be here too and enjoy this, like I imagine like, this woman is quite annoying and I might have had the same reaction to this person. Could you imagine someone like that like singing along behind this man? You know? Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it drives me crazy. Punching I wouldn't, I wouldn't wrong. punch somebody in the face. Punching is wrong. Yeah. So we had to ask him and his wife to leave. Oh, his wife was there too. Yeah. And they were just this older couple, like in their 60s, but he just like a little Tasmanian devil of a man. He got real irate. And so he her. was an older man, mm-hmm. like, oh, man. Yeah. And then turned around and punched her. And then she was like, thank you so much. This, And then went back to the show. But I was like, I, Ugh. oh, well, two, two uh, weird people, two, two. shitty people. <laughs> no. Some bad seating. Uh, yeah, bad seating arrangement. Anyway, yeah, I got punched in the face. Oh, that's horrible. I know. You've seen a lot of Massey Hall. Seen a lot. Yeah, I saw, yeah. What else can I regale? I don't know. Um, David Gilmore came. It was like a lot of, like, I feel like it was, the the crowd was like a lot of dads that hadn't been out in a long time to a concert. And they had smoked weed for the first time maybe again in <laughs> right. like 20 years. They're out. Yeah. And there was one dad that was laying on the stairs, curled up in like the fetal position. Mm-hmm. He was so happy. And I was like, so you got to move you can't here. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just having a little nap. <laughs> All these dads, and there'd be dads coming out of the bathrooms, like, smoking weed and trying to hide it. And, like, it was a real, like, dad night, I think, that David Grimm Not wanting to go home. Yeah. He wanted to camp out in Massey Hall and curl up and take his sleep. Just wanted to listen to the mm. the remnants of the wall. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Beautiful music. Very beautiful. 
I'm trying to think of. I don't know. I said, oh. It's hard to yeah. once you've mentioned a guy hitting somebody in the face. I know. It was the real weird Hearing night. sundown. Yeah. Or if you could read my mind or something. <laughs> something slow and Rainy beautiful. Rainy day people. Yeah. Uh, na, 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 na. He has, uh, what's that one? Uh, Lonesome Highway. Yeah. Na, 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 na. There's no song I can imagine from Gordon Lightfoot that I'd want to get hit in the face to. Mm. They're all so pretty. Might be very calming. Like, maybe you wouldn't feel it. It'd be kind of <laughs> numbing from the beautiful music. And you'd be like, I don't feel a thing. Yeah. Go, do your worst. Or it's a weird fetish somebody mm. has. Like, okay, I'm going to put on sundown. <laughs> put me. <laughs> yeah, when it gets to the chorus, just hit me in the face. I wonder if people experiment with different musics and see how numb their <laughs> bodies get. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is weird. This, uh, this got weird. Yeah, it's got weird. When I go to the dentist, I put on nine inch nails and then I'm fine. I don't need to take <laughs> no it. No Novocaine. Mm hmm. Yeah. Just, just closer. Yeah. Audible therapy. Well. Well, Katie, um, this was awesome. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for. <laughs> Did you say hi? Yeah. I love it. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's really nice of you to ask me. Hi. Hi. Um, this is fun. Katie Crown, everybody. Hey. All right, everybody. That's today's episode. I want to thank Paul F. Tompkins, Katie Crown, Matt Belknap, and Anara George for being really cool about me playing some of her music. This song is called Love Letter to Japan. It's off the Bird and the Bees. Ray Guns are not just the future. Thanks so much for listening. To be close, to be here with you And now on my heart I will lay down precisely at your feet My beloved and my sweet All the gifts you have given me The patience and the peace Cherry blossoms and the candy I am yours, I am yours For as long, for as long as you will have